There are times when the sadness overtakes the heart, times when the pain seems to be more than we can bear, times when the soul hurts. In those moments, we long for something that we cannot get in our isolation. In those moments, the soul longs for words of hope from someone that knows them. Face-to-face -face words that will comfort, heal, give, hope, and remind us of the promises of God. God calls us to remind one another of His promises. He calls us to speak truth with great love. He calls us to speak hope with great faith. He calls us to speak a blessing. You've had a good Thanksgiving week. It has been good for us, having family together and having a new one added to our family. We uh, got to meet Piper Jane this week, Hunter and Brooke's new little baby, and uh, she was born this week and is doing so well. Yeah, that's all right to clap for that. It's beautiful. They are at home this morning doing well, and so I appreciate your prayers for them. That's um, their second daughter. That's our third granddaughter this year, and that's number nine total grandchildren So for Heather and I. So it's, it's awesome. It's going to make Christmas even more fun. So it's good stuff, good stuff. Um, last week, uh, God blessed us here with a fresh move of his spirit, his hand. Amen? And what a powerful outpouring of his goodness to us. I pray for more days like that. Amen? Um, you know me, I, I like to structure and order things, but there's a time to let him supersede our plans. Amen? And uh, we make our plans, but it's the Lord who orders our steps. And so uh, it's right to do both. So uh, right now, I have a plan. I believe God's given me, and we're going to walk down this plan until he directs differently. All right? Fair enough. You know, I think what we experience, I know what we experience is um, what it looks like when God's people are living in his blessing. When we are walking in the confidence that he is here, that he is with us, he is for us, he is moving in us, he has something to say to us, and he's moving us forward, right? That's what it looks like when God's people know those things. And it's a funny thing we do sometimes. We, we pray prayers like, uh, God be with us. But the reality is, he's already promised he's with us, right? I understand asking that. I, I, I've done that myself. But the reality is, a much more, I guess, accurate, biblically accurate and truth accurate prayer would be, God, I thank you that you are with us already. Um, and even asking uh, the Lord to go with us. Well, it's not like he's standing out in the parking lot looking for a ride, you know. He, he's with you and he's in you and he'll go before you and beside you and around you. He's, all, he's with you. So you can really, the more accurate prayer would be, Lord, thank you that you go with us. Amen? Yeah. And even, even saying, Lord, would you bless us? I understand, said it, prayed it a lot. But in Jesus Christ, Ephesians says, we have received every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. So the greater reality, more accurate would be to say, Lord, thank you that you have blessed us. Now that might be a shift for you know some of us in the process, but I'm, I'm making that shift. I've encouraged our family and I encourage our staff to make those shifts when we pray. Let's recognize truth and promises and let's stand in them instead of uh, hoping he'll give them. Let's stand in the confidence that he has given them to us in Jesus Christ. It's a different, it's a shift, but it's powerful. God wanted his people in the Old Testament and under the New Covenant as well to know these truths and to walk in them and to live in them, 
not just in their worship experiences, but in their life experiences. And so he, he gave them his promises. He gave them his word. He gave them his spirit, the new covenant that lives within us. Amen. But he also did something different that he did in the old covenant and he does in the new covenant as well to help us along the way. Here's what he does. He gives us a new name. You have in Jesus Christ a name that you did not have before. And it's important that you know your name in Christ. Because if you don't know your name, you can't know how to answer when he's talking to you. In fact, you might even still be going by an old name. And if you're answering to a name that's no longer who you are, then you'll get what that old name got instead of what the new name gets you. Look, look here, here's a point I want to make today. I'm going to drive this over and over again. The name you answer to will be what you become. I'm going to say that a lot today. The name you answer to will be what you become. So turn in your Bibles today to Genesis 35. Our message today is called, This is Your Name. Genesis 35 is the story of a man who has a name change. He's born with a name, but then God gives him a new name. And this idea of name change is a powerful truth in Scripture. So much so that there, we're going to see it several times in just this one man's story today of where one person or one thing had a name, God worked and it changed the name. And thereafter, they never referred to that again by the old name, but by the new name. Genesis 35 is the story of a man who's born with the name Jacob. Now, it's it's interesting because when he was born, he was a twin, and he was the one born second. And his parents did an, an interesting thing they gave him a name based on the birth experience. So his brother is born. He's about to be born. And the Bible says that his hand was on his brother's heel. He was grasping his hand. So I don't know exactly what happened in that moment. If the parents chuckled, if they thought, oh, how cute. Let's name him something that reflects this moment. Let's name him something that he'll always remember and will always remember this moment by. And so they did. We say the name Jacob, but when they said it, it was heel grabber. How would you like to be known as heel grabber all your life? It was really the name that meant trickster, as though he was playing this trick on his brother. He was tricking and grabbing his heel like he was tripping him up, playing a trick on him, tripping him up and wanting to take his place, wanting to be first, but he was born second. And Jacob will live with that name because every time they said, Jacob, he knew heel grabber trickster second not first and first in the bible in the old testament was a big deal firstborn got a blessing that second third fourth and others did not get firstborn got more notoriety recognition inheritance and so jacob is named as the guy who's the trickster, the manipulator, the deceptive one, the guy who always wishes he was something more than what he is. That name affects Jacob's life. Can you imagine being born with and carrying the name of 
not enough, not first, having to always trick your way, having to manipulate, can't be trusted. The name you answer to is who you become. So as Jacob's life progresses, this actually plays out. He's bitter about being second born. He has an opportunity one day in a conversation with his brother, the firstborn, to trick him. And he does. He says, hey, brother, how about I give you this bowl of beans because I know you're really hungry. You just came in from working. How about I give you this bowl of beans and you give me your birthright? And brother said, fine, whatever. I'm hungry. Give me the bowl of beans. Later, as the two brothers' father is on his deathbed, and he's about to pass on the family inheritance and blessing to the firstborn. Secondborn Jacob comes in, dresses like firstborn brother Esau, and tricks dad into giving him the family inheritance. Trickster. He's living this out. It's who he is. The name you hear and answer to is who you will become. And this is happening for Jacob. He becomes the trickster, the manipulator. I've got to get my way because I'm second. I'm not enough. And he's having to manipulate and get his way. And he deceives later. After he marries, he deceives his father-in-law and steals some of his flock. It just follows Jacob wherever he goes. And then, to make matters worse, he sees this played out in his children. The same sin that he deals with, his children will deal with. As, his, as he has the daughter and he has sons, daughter gets old enough, branch out on her own. She says one day, hey, Dad, can I go hang out with the other girls in town? She wasn't telling the truth because she's going to end up with a guy on that trip who's going to take advantage of her, defile her, the Bible says, because she duped her dad, she got herself in trouble. And then the brothers get angry and they say, we're going to go take care of that dude who took advantage of our sister. And they go into town and they make a deal with all the men in the town. Because these were two families that didn't see eye to eye on faith. And they said, you know what? If you'll become like us and maybe we can all live together in harmony in this group. I'm going to go a little PG-13 here. That group in the city, they were all uncircumcised males. And so these brothers say, hey, if you'll all go be circumcised, we can all live together as family. And the guys in the town say, all right, sounds like a deal for our families to be at peace and this whole thing to be resolved and no more animosity and all that stuff. And it's all a lie. Jacob's sons lie to those guys. And three days in, after all their surgeries, they come into town with an axe and a sword and they do away with all those men. Tricked them, deceived them. You see how it's playing out? The name you answer to will be who you become, and it'll be who you pass on as well. So this name means everything. This, main, this name now has caused great pain to Jacob, and Jacob's in a very, very difficult spot because now there's some folks that want to come after Jacob for what his boys did to their family. Jacob's in a very, very difficult spot. And this is where our story picks up today because Jacob's bearing the pain of all of this. Jacob's bearing what it means to be the one who's answered to deceiver, manipulator, not enough, can't measure up, never going to have the blessing. And Jacob is about to meet with God. The story unfolds in Genesis, really back in 32, the Lord begins to appear to Jacob and begins to speak to him and calls him to repent of his sin and calls him to come to him and call all the people in his family to turn and to follow him, and they do. Verse 9 is where we pick up in Genesis 35, and it says, Then God appeared to Jacob again, and he came from Padam Aram and blessed him. God blesses Jacob because he chooses to follow him. And look at verse 10. It says, and God said to him, your name is Jacob. And Jacob knew that. Jacob knew what it meant to bear the name that he had. 
stop for a moment. Are there some names that you answer to sometimes that cause you pain? Are there some names that have been given to you that you've answered to that have been a burden to you? Names like useless, failure, not enough, never going to be good enough, always a loser, addicted, enslaved, second, last, ugly. You hear me? There are names that have been spoken into all of our lives at some point. Names you would have never given yourself, but someone else gave that name to you. And you've carried it. And it has hurt. And when you put your head on your pillow at night, you hear that name again. And it brings you to tears. And it brings you to frustration. And it brings you to dark places. Because a name will do that. And the name that you answer to will determine who you become. And so God says to Jacob, your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. God intervened in a time of great pain. God came to rescue Jacob from who he was to make him someone new. And to do so, he gave him a new name. He went from being the one who had always been last, not enough, loser, manipulator, to a new name, Israel, prince with God. The one who had been cast out, the one who had not been favored, all of a sudden, God says, I'm doing something new, and I'm going to call you from now on prince with God. This was a brand new name for Jacob. No longer are you going to be inadequate, failure, and unblessed. From now on, you are going to be the right hand of God. From now on, you are going to be favored, chosen, blessed. And from you, Jacob, is going to come great blessing. From you is going to come a nation because I am doing a work in you. And when God begins to do a new work, he'll give a new name. And it's important that you know your name. The passage goes on. It says, and God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. What a what a drastic change. What a new name filled with new hope, new promise. It goes on in verses 12 and 13. It says, In the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, I give to you, to your descendants after you, I give this land. Then God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. He was going to give him a new direction for his life. But if you want a new direction, a new path, you're going to have to learn to answer to the new name. You have to know who you are to get to where God wants to take you. Because when he calls your name, you need to know what your name is, not what your name was. Because you won't get anywhere if you're still answering to ugly, defeated, loser, can't measure up, not good enough. You will not get to where God wants you to be if those are the names you still answer to. Hello? It's true. 
So Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, a pillar of stone, and he poured a drink offering on it, and he poured oil on it. Jacob wanted to remember this spot. Jacob wanted for, to forever remember that this spot was a holy spot because God had met with him here. God had spoken to him here. God had changed his name here. God had given him direction here. A brand new direction was happening because he had a new name. Verse 15, it says, And Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke with him Bethel. He changed the name of the location because God had met with him there. What you call a place will determine its significance. The name that you give it. If you believe your body is just an evolutionary process of urges from some time ago when you were some ooze in a pond, you will live all the way up to that. Hello? You will. You'll live all the way up to an urge that came from scum. And nothing more, because you will become the name that you answer to. But if you believe that God created you uniquely with a purpose, and he created you by his hand, he knit you together in your mother's womb, and he predestined your life long before you even knew you had life, and that there's a purpose for your life now and in eternity, when you believe that about your name, then you'll live up to that name. Amen? Amen. You will. If you believe that you are just a sinner trying to make it through this world, oh, you'll live up to every bit of that. You will just be a sinner trying to make it through this world. But if you believe that you have been called and chosen and redeemed and sanctified and justified and called righteous and called holy with a purpose that fits into the kingdom of God, oh, you'll live up to all of that because you will become the name that you answer to. If you believe your work is a beating, that your boss is a bummer, and that you are just trying to make it through, oh, your job will be every bit of that to you because what you name it is what it will become. But if you name your opportunity and your work as a holy calling, if you name it what God has destined you to be in that spot and to be a light shining for him in that spot, wherever that is, to be the salt of the earth in that spot, to be ambassador for Jesus Christ in that spot, oh, that's what your job will become. Amen? Because what you name it is what it will become. If you see your home as a place where the bills are too high and the kids always fight and you just can't ever get enough rest and you're just always tired and there's always more work to do, that's all your home will ever be. But if you name your home and call your home a holy sanctuary that God has given you to raise a family in with a purpose and a destiny and a time, and you're going to make sure every moment is captured for the kingdom of God, and you're raising up a new generations of warriors in that, in that home. You're going to use every moment to glorify God in that place. That home will become that place. Amen? What you name it is what it will become. And Jacob wanted to make sure that this place always was remembered as Bethel, meaning the house of God. What you name it is what it will become. The passage goes on. It says, Then they journeyed from Bethel. And when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel, his wife, labored in childbirth, and she had hard labor. Mm. I've seen some hard labor heard stories of hard labor. We were counting up recently. Um, Heather, of course, uh, had five babies, and she's been able to be at seven of the other nine that have been born in our family uh, at their 
labor and birth, 12, 12 births. She got to see God work and answer prayer and fulfill promises and be good. And she got to be a part of that whole process. And so um, when it says here that they were in a journey and they were going toward the promised land and they were together as a couple and Rachel is laboring and she was in hard labor. I remember some of those moments, the moments where you think, Lord, please, please bring it to pass. Let it be. Pour out your mercy. Rachel is here in hard labor. It's a little bit more than just regular labor as we're about to see because the story turns dark at this moment. And it says in the next verse, now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, do not fear, you will have this son also. Good encouragement from the midwife in a moment when it was dark, when it was painful, when it was difficult, when there was uncertainty. And the word comes from the midwife, and then we get the description of what happens next. And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Ben-Oni. That's not what you're expecting next in the story, was it? That's not how the story is supposed to play out. It's supposed to have a good ending. Sometimes life involves pain. Sometimes life involves loss. Sometimes life, as much as we don't want it to, involves tragedy. And it's in those moments that we must remember as God's people that God's blessing is still true. The Lord is with me in the midst of the darkest of night. And the Lord is good to me in the darkest of night. And the Lord will keep me in the darkest of night. I will not let my circumstances determine what I believe about my God. But I will let what I believe about my God determine how I see my circumstances. This is the way of faith. Now, I can't imagine what Rachel is going through in this situation. Because clearly, now we know it's more than just hard labor. This moment will take her life. She will die giving birth. It's tragic, sad, difficult. And here in this moment, as she's breathing her last, she makes a statement. She says, name this child Ben-Oni. This will be his name. I want you to call him this. I want you to always refer to him by this name. This is the name I'm giving him. This is what I want you to call him. And then she breathes her last and dies. What's so tragic in this moment is the meaning in the name. Ben meaning son of, and oni, meaning to exert all your energy for nothing. To have trouble and emptiness. She named her son, son of sorrow. Can you imagine carrying with you your name means 
trouble, emptiness, sadness. And you, your name, is a reminder that you are the reason your mother's not alive. This is the name that she gives him. This is the name that she wanted him to carry and that he would bear. Sometimes we say things in the midst of our pain that we maybe didn't fully realize the scope of the potential of. We say something to a child. We say something to a spouse. We say something to someone else. We give them a name not realizing what that name means as it falls into their heart. We say it out of anger. We say it out of hurt. We say it out of frustration. But sometimes we do that. We pick up a name for our spouse, pick up a name for a child, we pick up a name for a, our job, ourselves, life, and we refer to it by that name. And we say it. And every time we say it, it confirms it in our heart, and every time we say it, they hear it. And it shapes their heart. And this little boy would have to learn to answer to that name he would have to associate with that name and that experience. He would have to bear it. He'd have to know that he was the cause of his mother's death. He'd have to carry the guilt of that every time he heard his name. He'd have to carry the shame of, you are emptiness. Lots, lots of trouble and lots of emptiness. Not worth it. He would have to bear the name of that every time he heard his name. And sometimes that has happened perhaps in your life. A name was given to you by a coach, a teacher, friends, siblings, parents. And though it's not the name on your driver's license, it's the name you know yourself as mistake, failure, always causing problems, never going to be loved, never going to amount to anything, can't do anything right, you don't measure up, you're not like the other kids, you'll never learn, you're always going to be less than God isn't good to you. God hasn't blessed you. God could never use you. And whatever name you answer to is what you will become. And nobody knew this more than Jacob, his father, whose name is now Israel. And Jacob knows in this moment in the greatness of the sorrow of his wife's death and in the excitement of this boy being born and in this name being spoken over his life, Jacob knows, I have to step in here. I cannot let him live with this name. If he lives with this name, it'll destroy him. If he lives with his, this name, it'll be pain for him forever. If he lives with this name, it'll cause pain for other people. There'll be generations of more pain if he lives with that name. Jacob says, I have to do something. The next part of the verse says, but his father called him Benjamin. He said, I cannot let Pain and sorrow and emptiness and worthlessness be his name. I'm not going to. I'm going to give him a new name. I'm going to call him Benjamin because Benjamin has a completely different name. It starts with Ben, son of, but it ends differently. It ends with son of my right hand. 
son of my strength, son of my honor. And his father gives him a new name. Amen. And the name you answer to will become who you are. And he knew I have to give him a new name. I can't let him bear the guilt of his mother and her death. I can't let him live in his own guilt and shame and dishonor for his life. God has a purpose for his life. God has called him. God has destined a future for him. God has given us promises. God has given us his covenant. And so he named him based on that. He called him Benjamin. You know, you and I all received a name at our birth. It wasn't from the doctor, and it wasn't from your mother, and it wasn't from your father. It's what you were born into because you were born in the same way that every other man and woman has been born except Jesus Christ. We all been born in the line of Adam. And Adam was a sinner. And so when you and I were born, we were born with the label sinner. And we sinned. And we were born with unclean, destined for failure, pain, hopeless, incapable, weak. Those are names that just come with the package of being people because we're all born in sin. And your experiences prove that out. You looked around while you were in high school, middle school, elementary, you knew there was a group out there and you wanted to be like that group. You couldn't fit into that group and you felt less than that group and someone else gave you a name and you bore that name and you acted out of that name. Circumstances came along and names were given to you in your circumstances and you've lived up to those names. But that's the very thing that Jesus came to free you from. That name that you bear because of that thing that you did, whatever it was, whether it was when you were 10 or whenever it was when you were 15 or whatever it was with you were 22, it doesn't matter. You have borne some names in your life that have been a pain to you. They've weighed you down and they've kept you from experiencing the life you thought you were going to live. And Jesus came to free you from that name. He came to make you new. He came to cause you to be born again, start the process over, but not just a do-over like you did before, but now a do-over with a new heart inside, a redeemed life, a soul that's saved, a soul that loves God. And when you were reborn, you were given new name. You are now child of the king. You're now born and called forgiven. You're now born and called righteous. You're now born and called free from all condemnation. You're now born and called accepted in the beloved. You're now born and called favored, honored, strength, and alive to God. And you say, but I haven't earned those names. It's not about you earning those names. It's about Jesus earning that name and giving you the name he wants you to have. And now you own that name and you answer to that name because the name that you answer to is who you will become. And if you keep telling yourself, well, I'm just nothing more than a sinner, believer, Believer in Jesus Christ, look, if you're still answering to sinner, that's all you're ever going to experience in this life. It's time to put that one in the past and say, that's not who I am any longer. I've been made new. I'm not just trying to make it in this world. I'm an overcomer in Jesus Christ. I'm not just a sinner anymore. I'm redeemed in Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm not just carrying the weight of my sin. That's been lifted from me, and I've been made 
holy by Jesus Christ. That's what he said. The name you answer to is what you will become. So be careful what you answer to. When that voice comes whispering to you, that wants to tell you all that you've heard, all that you've been, and that name wants to whisper all those titles and things you've done, that's when you stop and say, no more. I'm not that person anymore. I'm not my past sins. I'm not the failures that I was. I'm not even the weakness that I have been. I am who God calls me to be. Benjamin was a baby when he was called the son of my strength. He didn't have any ability to be the son of strength in that moment. But he grew up into that name because that was the name he learned to answer to. Amen? Amen. Now, we began this series several weeks back looking at number 6, verses 24 through 27. We sang the song this morning from these verses. Verse 24, 25, and 26 says this, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. This word Lord here. You and I don't understand all the weight behind the fact that this word Lord is here. If we were Jewish, we would understand that the name of God in Scripture and the name of God himself was considered holy. So holy that that name was not to be spoken out of fear you might take that name in vain. And so as the Scriptures are being written and they are passing down to us their heritage, one of the things that happens is they are very careful to not put that name for others to read out for fear they might take the name of the Lord in vain. And so what they do is they take out what is in the Hebrew, the consonants Y-H-W-H, and they replace it with the word Lord. Because the name was so holy that to speak Yahweh was so holy and reverent that you dare not even whisper or mention that name. And so for God to say, the Lord bless you, that was such an overwhelming truth that the holy God the creator God, the sovereign God, the one who was holy and righteous and had all blessings in his hands. The Lord bless you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. They recognized the power that it was the name of the Lord. This was not just any God. It was the very specific personal name of God who was authorizing this blessing and the promise that he would be with them. Now, what you and I don't sing when we sing the song, the blessing, is what happens next. This is the part we know. But this is the part you and I are not as familiar with. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. God told the priests, he told Aaron, when you bless the people, I want you to put my name on them. I want them to know not just their name. I want them to know my name and as they journey to the promised land, 
No, they must know they bear my name because my name has the power in it. My name has the strength in it. My name has the blessing in it. My name has the inheritance in it. And I will guard my name. I'll protect my name. And they're part of my family, my name. And they are part of me. I'll bless them. So put my name on them. So when Jesus dies and Jesus is resurrected and he is given a name that is above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord, that name is the name he puts on us, his people, that you and I belong to the family of Jesus. And that you and I should not refer to ourselves by any other name except knowing that name. And don't answer to any other name except all that is in that name. If he is accepted by the Father and you are in him, then you're accepted by the Father. Don't ever refer to yourself as unacceptable cast out, rejected, because then you're not bearing the name that's been given to you. You hear me? Don't bear a name that's not yours. Don't carry a name on yourself that says you're still paying for your sin in the past. Don't carry that name. Don't carry that name that you're still trying to work off what you did in the past because Jesus died to forgive you and he became the lamb who took away the sin of the world, including yours, and now you're free in him. Bear that name, forgiven, free, no more condemnation. Hello, do you hear me? Don't bear the name condemned, rejected, cast out, isolated, left alone. Stop bearing those names. Stop bearing the name of, I don't measure up to this person or this group or that family. Stop bearing that name. You're answering to a name that used to be yours but is no longer who you are in Jesus Christ. Bear the blessing, the name that is yours in him. Amen? Amen. So God told his people, I want you to I want you to own this name. And I want you to speak it in your family. I want you to speak it to your children. I want you to speak it over the nation. And they became the nation of Israel. And they bore the name. They've carried the name. And you and I bear the name of Jesus upon us. And we speak that in our families. We speak it here in our church. And we speak that in our homes. And it's important that you do. It's important that you speak that name of Jesus out loud verbally in your home. Because there, your children will hear that name. Your children will learn to bear that name. And trust me, there's a lot of names out there that are being tossed at them. There's a lot of names that people want to give them. The culture wants to give them some names to bear. Confused, confused about your gender, that there is no God, you're just ooze, it came up from the scum. Oh, there's a lot of names they want you to bear. They want you to bear names of just act out on your own freedom. They want you to bear names of there's no such thing as God, there's no such thing as a good God. They want you to bear all those names, but you and I, as parents, as fathers, husbands, mothers, fathers, we're going to teach and speak the name of Jesus in our homes. Amen? Amen. So I want you to hear a story this morning um, from one of our own members. And um, this story you're about to hear is, is part of what even happened last week. God was dealing with a family. Uh, as the service was unfolding last week. And um, I went and talked to uh, this family, and they began to tell me the story. So uh, I want to ask Andrew and Jerison to come up, and he's going to tell you what God has done in their family. Y'all give him a hand as he comes up here this morning. Thank you. There you go. So uh, God did something last week in your heart. In your family, tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, yeah. So I actually want to go back to last year, if I can. Sure. Um, everything was getting kind of crazy in the world, and all the churches were shutting down, and God led us here. Hmm. Uh, some friends of ours came here, and they said, hey, come check it out. And we started coming here, and um, that's when things started to get kind of real for me, kind of heavy. Hmm. And I began... Uh, Telling myself out loud, telling my family, there's nothing to fear. God's in control. Mm -hmm. God's got this. The only thing to fear is God. And I'd say it over and over again as things got crazier and crazier out in the world. And God's in control. And anyways, fast forward to about uh, three months ago, my oldest daughter started having trouble going to sleep at night. And she was... She was getting really anxious. She started adding unnecessary habits to her bedtime routine and and just just really stressful. Her heart would start racing and, and just Tell everybody how old she is. She's eight years old. She's eight years old. She had been fine, you know, and then all of a sudden she just started getting anxious and didn't know what to do. We didn't know what to do. We would we were getting stressed out, me and my wife, and tried talking to her and we, at some points, we even got kind of angry, like, what are you, what are you doing? And um, one night, I was sitting with my wife in our room, talking about our daughter and the issues she'd been going through, and I, I looked at my wife, and it's something I had heard here, and I said, something came over me, and I asked her, what, what do we say to get the evil out of this house? How do we get the evil out of this house? And she said, (laughs) she said, Satan, leave this house in the name of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Yeah. And for my. From my toes to my ears, I got this tingling, and it just shot through my ears through the roof, and she said it, and then I said it, Satan, get out of this house, you're not welcome here in the name of Jesus Christ, and we said it together over and over again, and I just, I... I don't do this. <laughs> I just began crying and crying and almost to the point I tried talking to my wife. I couldn't speak. I almost took a step back and it was just an overwhelming feeling of honestly like fear. I was <laughs> I was scared. I was happy. I was sad, mostly scared. And just an overwhelming feeling came through, through me. And then I just, I, all of a sudden I looked at my wife and it was, it was just a calm. It was a peace. A calmness came over me, over our house. And I, I told her, let's pray. We got down on our knees and we began praying to God, thanking God for everything he's done in our life, everything. We're just so grateful. And it was just an overwhelming feeling. I didn't know what to do with myself. I began pacing around the room and I had, I had never felt anything like that. And I looked at her and I said, Wow, wow. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. What's next? You know? <laughs> What's next? And she said, we got we got to tell people, and I said yes, yeah, you know, yeah. We got, Man. we got to tell some people about that, and that was Saturday. That was last Saturday. Last Saturday, and that next morning, Sunday morning, my daughter woke up and told my wife, "Hey, guess what? You'll never believe it. <laughs> I slept great." slept great. Yeah. 
we, we came here and you changed your whole sermon. Everything changed and I can't stop bawling. <sighs> Supposed to be the strong guy, you know. Hey, because of this, you're very strong. Yeah. Yeah, she's, she's been sleeping better. Still has some issues we're working through, but she's calmer. Our house is it's more peaceful. We've been praying together as a family. Me and my wife have been praying together more, which has never happened. I've been praying more. It's, just, it's been amazing. Yeah. It's been amazing. So last week as the service ended, I, I was talking to folks, but I could tell out of the corner of my eye they were sitting back here, and the Lord was dealing with them, and there was lots of tears going on. So I went back and talked for just a moment with them. And uh, after he told me this story, I said, way to go for stepping up and being a spiritual leader in your home. And his wife turned and said, this is what I've been praying for. Yeah. That's all I got. All right. Hey, that's good. Y'all give Andrew a hand. But before he goes, I want to pray for him. He's put himself in a pretty vulnerable spot here, right? But he's put himself in a strong spot because he's willing now to speak the name of Jesus in his home. And what you call it is what it will become. Amen? Amen. So, can I have some men come stand with Andrew this morning? Father, I thank you that you are moving and calling in this generation. You're speaking to children. You're speaking to young people. You're speaking to women. But you are speaking to men as well. And you're calling them to new levels of obedience and faith and trust and a call to stand and lead in their homes. So God, I thank you for Andrew and his open confession this morning of your power to heal, to break bondages, to cause a home to be cleared and cleansed and be a home that glorifies you. I thank you for his family. I pray that what you've begun there, you'll continue. You'll strengthen that home to be a home that is filled with your presence, your power. And as they continue to speak that name, we believe it will be so. But I pray for other homes here today, homes that are bearing some other names today, homes of strife, homes of conflict, homes of despair, homes of depression, homes of anxiety, homes of uncertainty, homes where your spirit is not ruling in freedom. Father, in the name of Jesus, we'd ask that those homes be cleansed and cleared of all of those spirits. In the name of Jesus, we ask that you would fill those homes with your name, that you would empower men to stand and speak like they never have before, that you'd call them to speak your name, speak your word, boldly declare your truth, boldly lead out in prayer, that there might be homes that become what we call them, homes filled with Jesus. So, Father, I thank you this morning for the strength of men standing together. I thank you for homes illustrated here. But I thank you most of all for your spirit that's at work within us to empower, to change, and to break bondages and make all things new and to heal and raise up a generation of new heroes and leaders in the faith that will bring change to our land. Father, we pray strong blessing upon the Andreessen's home. Lord, bless them. 
Help them see your blessing poured out on them to bless them, to keep them, to cause your face to shine upon them. We pray this all in the powerful and the matchless name of Jesus in which we all bear. Amen, 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 amen. This is Ryan Vandenberg. It's part of our family. All right. Well, um, it's just unbelievable how timely this is. It's definitely not a coincidence. It's certainly ordained by God. So this year has been a crazy year. I've been, you know, in and out of the house, traveling and all that. And uh, Riley has, Riley's our, our oldest. She's, she's just turned five on uh, November 1st. And if you know Riley, she's she's sharp as a tack. She holds a very high standard for herself. And um, we've been really struggling, Holly and I have been really struggling trying to discipline her correctly. And, you know, we're not... <laughs> You know, whether it's getting spankings or, you know, trying to take away privileges or talk her through things, just like thing after thing after thing after thing, reading, trying it all, taking suggestions, being as consistent as we can be. And it's, when you, if you know her, you would think like, there's no way that she, that she would struggle with that kind of stuff. She's like this perfect little kid. But man, she has such a will, you know, and it's, it's really, really hard to, to, correct that when it's when it's things that she shouldn't be doing and we've been really struggling to the point where I feel like we're like man how do we do this where it's going to get through to her and I think she, she senses that and she just yesterday she went to her room and I peeked in on the camera because she was crying and <laughs> she's just sitting there in her bed just saying <laughs> I'm the worst girl in the world. I'm the worst girl in the world. She's five, man. 
that's too heavy, man. That's too heavy for her. <laughs> I went straight in that room. And I just rebuked all of that. Firmly, right into her eyes, so she could see me over and over and over again. That's not true. You know where that comes from? And she's like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I was like, you know the snake. You know that's the snake in the garden that told that same lie to Eve. And she goes, oh. I'm like, that's that voice, Riley. That's the one who's telling you these things, that you can't, you can't do what's good, you, that you want to do what's bad. It's that same thing, man. And, and I just held her and we prayed for God to break through to her. And I would just ask all of you guys to pray with me and believe with me that God will guide me and Holly to be able to discipline her the correct way and to show her love. And so I just hope that we can all come together and, and pray in that. So, Amen. So. I bet Ryan's not the only one in the room as a family and a father who struggle with that. If you struggle with some of that, just lift your hand for just a moment. We'll see. Yeah, you're not alone, Ryan. But I do want us to pray again. Because that's where it comes down to. It's not just what happens in here. It's what happens in our homes. And we want to speak Jesus there. Amen? So let me do this. If you want to come as a family to pray, if you want to get to another part of the room where you can all stand together, do that. If you want to come right here to this altar and pray, let's do that right now. I'm going to pray. Families, if you want to come, couples, if you want to stand together, you want to move together to another part of the room, you just want to huddle up, whatever it is, this is your moment to pray. You want to grab somebody else and say, come pray with me. This is your moment to do that. Yeah, y'all come on in. Come on up. Let's gather up here and pray. Anybody want to come stand specifically with Ryan? You can do that. This is our moment to speak Jesus into our homes, speak faith, speak truth. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this story. This illustrates what we all deal with, not just with our children, but with ourselves, the voice. So Father, I ask you to open our, our ears to hear the names you say to us. And we give no more weight to the lies of the enemy. We give no more ear to what the enemy wants to say to us, to deceive us, to make us think in Jesus Christ. We could never have your favor, never have your love, never be blessed, that our home could never change, that our marriage could never change. God, we rebuke all of those today. We cast them out and we stand strong in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has come to be redemption and hope and life and reconciliation and peace. And we claim all of those things and we speak all of those things and we'll speak them in our homes. We'll speak them in our marriage. We'll speak them in our community and we'll speak them here in our church because we are the people of God. We are no longer cast out, no longer rejected. We belong within the family of God. And all God's people with a voice of unity cried out and said, amen, amen.